Carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I have chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeem them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and that and, and to that your servant of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today and have compassion on him in the presence of this man. Here's what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 1. And here's what I believe the prayer that we all ought to be praying, the prayer that God answers. You'll see this on your outline there. I think the theme of the book of Nehemiah in its early chapters is God, bother me with what bothers you. You see Nehemiah, he hears about the report on Jerusalem. And others might say, well, man, okay, who cares? Nehemiah had it pretty good, actually. He's a cupbearer for the king, which means he serves the king, and he's got a pretty important job. And he could have said, you know what, no big deal to me. I don't really care. But he gets the report about the walls being broken down, and he can't shake it. He understands this reflects on the glory of God, and he's got a problem with that, and he can't, he can't get away from it. And I wonder for you and for me, what is it that truly bothers us? Is it, is it folks who cut you off in traffic? Is that what really gets you? People that don't use their turn signals? Folks that don't know that you don't drive slower in the left lane than you do in the right lane? I got behind somebody the other day, and it was on the interstate. And the speed limit out there is 70 miles an hour. They're going 70, and they wouldn't get over because I wasn't going 70. <laughs> Those of you in law enforcement, okay, I just, I was not, I was, I, I had to get somewhere and, you know, I mean, of course, that's my excuse all the time. I, you know, you know why I had to get somewhere fast? Because I was running late, you know, I wasn't planning right. But, you know, they wouldn't get over. Man, things like that bother you, right? Don't we get so fired up about certain things? I wonder, do we get as excited and fired up about the things that bother God? About when his glory is being defamed. Nehemiah heard the news about the walls being broken down and he couldn't shake it. It was killing him. And maybe all along the folks around the walls of Jerusalem and those people, they just it hadn't really bothered them that much because it seems as if they get this report and these guys that bring it, his brothers and so on, they just say, well, the walls are down and I don't guess there's really anything we can do about it. And Nehemiah is bothered by it, but he doesn't stop there. It's that prayer that God always answers. God, bother me with what bothers you. You know, I've talked to different people at our church, different people in our community. I, I've come across folks who have a heart to, to help and, and to heal marriages. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but so many people who come to our church and live in our community just simply act like everything's okay at home. You ever, you, you just, I don't, I don't want to crush your, you know, your, your ideal here of Murray, Kentucky and Callaway County, but most people just act like everything's fine. And then when they show up into my office, they say, will you please help us and talk to us? They begin to pour out what's wrong. And it's heartbreaking. I've met people who say, I want to do something about that. I've met people who, who want to do something as, as Sally and Leslie and all the others that are participating in the clothes drive and all the different things that we have to help the folks in our community who are, who are, who are not as well off, maybe. Folks who want to help those who are, who are poor. I've met people who, who want to help kids who are bullied. Help folks who are targets of racism. Help folks who are battling with pornography and other addictions. And they've got a heart for it. You know why? Because they've gotten in tune with the heart of God. 
And it begins to, to bother them to the point where they can't do anything about it. Or they can't help but do anything about it, that is. So maybe for us today, it's just time to start praying this prayer. God, bother me with what bothers you. God, I want to be used by you in some way. I didn't intend for this to be the case, but this is really kind of a follow-up from last week. If you hear this last week, I preached on the book of Esther. And, and the inspiration was, how is it that God wants to use you right now, right where you are? And the book of Nehemiah actually is a good follow-up for that because we're going to try to get real specific today, and you'll see that. So we begin to pray this prayer. God, bother me with what bothers you. And then we begin, as we pray that prayer, we put ourselves in position to be used by God. I want to give you three, three characteristics, I think, of what Nehemiah shows us. Here's the kind of person God uses. That's the kind of prayer we should pray, and that puts us in position to be the kind of person that God uses. The first characteristic of the kind of person that God uses is that they are desperate. They're absolutely desperate. I read to you the rest of chapter 1 there. and begin. Uh, if you look again in verse 4, he says, I sat down and I wept, and then I prayed to the God of heaven. And listen to his prayer as he just pours out his heart. God, I'm desperate for you to do something. God, I'm desperate for you to use me in some way. The first thing he did was to go to God in prayer. Listen, there are things that probably bother you. Things that you look around in our church and our community and in the world, and you say, you know what? Somebody, I, somebody has to do something about that. Let me encourage you to begin with prayer. You say, well, that's not doing anything. Oh, you know, that, that's total inaction. If you read through the Bible, the first thing that God's servants did was to pray and to be desperate, to go to God desperately in prayer, begging God, having a sense of urgency that we've got to get God involved in this from the very beginning. He says in verses 6 and 7, it's night and day I'm praying these things. And he goes and he confesses his sins. One thing that I've known my whole life that's been poured into me is that God will not use us. He really will not anoint us. He will not use us if there's unconfessed sin in our lives. We've got to confess our sins to the Lord. And if we've sinned against someone else, confess our sins to them. Nehemiah pours his heart out to the Lord, desperate for the Lord to move. Verses 8 through 11, I just read them. He's going to God and saying, God, would you give me your favor? Because what he's about to do is going to be tough. God, I need you to work. If there's something on your heart this morning, and I pray that there is, I pray that we've got a church full of people who say, you know what? I can't help but do something about what I see. Begin by praying and surrounding yourself with people who will pray. Being broken. God, show me what to do about this. And then after you begin to pray, it's time to start planning. Because the second characteristic of somebody that God uses is they are strategic. Now this is the one, I'll be honest with you, where we, we struggle with. I really, I don't know what it is about churches and about Christians. We struggle with the planning stage of things. Either we plan it to death. You know what I'm talking about? We've been talking about that for 25 years. Holy moly. Can we do something? Or we don't plan anything and we go out and do something and it ain't no good. Know what I mean? We struggle with this stage. And let me tell you, I really believe that the prayer part, the desperation part, that's biblical. But the strategy part is also biblical as well. Here's what I want to show you. Look in chapter 2. Look at verse 5. Nehemiah, being the guy who is sort of a, a servant to the king, he's got this on his heart to go to Jerusalem. Whose permission will he need? He'll need the king's permission. So he's got to go to the king, but he doesn't go to the king and say, hey, king, I, I really want to do something for my people. Can you, can you give me some ideas on what could be done? Here's what he does instead. Look at verse 5 of chapter 2. 
He says, I pray to the God of heaven. The king answered, I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the, to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. So here's his plan. The, the king with the queen seated beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you return? And he said, man, I don't have any idea. I had no clue what I'm doing. I got, I got some good ideas, but I haven't thought it through yet at all. Instead, however, he says, I gave him a definite time and it pleased the king to send me. He, he had it planned out. He said, here's what I believe God has called me to do. And he spent the time to work out the details. The, then verse 7, I also said to the king, if it pleases the king. Now listen, listen to what he's saying here. Let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates River so that they will grant me safe passage until I reach Judah. And let me have a letter written to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple's fortress, the city wall, and the home where I live. The king granted my request, for I was graciously strengthened by my God. Here's what's going on. He prays desperate. God, show me what to do. And somewhere in there, God says, you're going to the king, and you need to make these requests of the king, and I will bless you in your, in your, in your process. And so what does he do? He shows up before the king. Can you imagine how, how scared he must have been? I mean, how terrified he goes before the king. If the king doesn't like what you say, guess what? You die. That's it. He goes before the king, and he says, king, my heart is broken. You can see it. Verses, the first few verses in chapter 2 tell us the king picked up on it. He, he, Nehemiah is just broken and desperate. The king says, what do you want me to do? King, if you would, please, I, I want to go rebuild my, my home. And here's what I need to do it. If you want to see God really work, prayer is where we start. And once God reveals, here's what we need to do, guess what? We start to plan. We start to be strategic. There's nothing unbiblical about that. We need great leaders in our church who can formulate a plan and say, this is what we're going to do. And we need to be willing to follow those leaders when God presents that plan through them. God anoints them and he says, I was strengthened by the favor of my God. The king said, go right ahead. I'll tell you this, I don't believe that anything good for God's kingdom is going to happen unless we first pray and then we begin to plan to say, God, here's what we think needs to happen. I don't know how it would work, but one of the things that I'd love to see us do in our church and in this community is begin to identify the different kind of characteristics of our community. Where do we stand financially and where do we stand when it comes to relationships and, and all the different kinds of things, you understand? And how can we make our community more biblical over a 10-year period? You know what that's going to take? It's going to take folks who will pray. It's going to take folks who will plan and be strategic. You may say, you know what, I've got some people. I, I remember talking with somebody last week, and they, they told me, you know, I've got one person that's been on my heart. That's why I think I am where I am right now. I wonder if you begin to pray and begin to plan toward that. This is part of counting the cost, really, doing what's necessary to see the vision become a reality. I think that kind of strategic planning is biblical and it's necessary to do as many things well as we possibly can. Now, this is, I'll be honest with you, this is a little bit difficult for me to, to do. I, I'm, I came from two different church settings. I've told you guys a little bit about this before, where it was really all about the planning. And I really felt as if it was more corporate and business oriented. And I don't want us to ever kind of have those tendencies and be all about business. 
But I think we need a great ministry plan. We've got a church council that meets every month, and we begin to plan about things that we're going to do. And so anyway, I think it's biblical. So be strategic. God, help me. Uh, show me what to do and direct my every step. And then thirdly, uh, the character, third characteristic of a person that is used by God is that they are bold. They're bold. You say, God, I, I'm so bothered by this. And God says, I know. God says, I, I, here's what I want you to do. And you're saying, uh, maybe I'm not so bothered by it now. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. In other words, I had just acted like everything was okay all the time. So the king said to me, why are you sad when you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And look at the end of verse 2. I was overwhelmed with fear. Now stop there for a second. There's something on your heart, a person, a thing, an issue. You say, God, I, I want to do something about it. And I can sit and I can plan and I can write all this stuff out, but God, I am scared to death to do anything. To open my mouth, to say something to that person, to try to help that situation. God, I am terrified. He says, I was overwhelmed with fear. And so I ran out of the king's presence because I couldn't handle it. What does he do next? And replied to the king. May the king live forever. That's a good way to start. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? He takes a chance. He says, King, let me tell you what I'm torn up about. I can't hide it anymore. He's overwhelmed with fear, but he keeps going forward anyway. It says, I was sad. I was, I was overwhelmed. And, and we might put it, he was in a bad way. He was down in it, if you will. Overwhelming sadness. He can't shake it. Let me encourage you to pay attention to what won't leave you alone. Because there may be something that God wants you to do. He says, I was scared. No reasons given for his fear, but he's terrified to go before the king. And he says, though, I answered the king and I told him what was on my heart. Let me tell you, if you are going to be used by God, really used by God, it's not going to be comfortable. If you, if you want to be comfortable in your Christianity, then, then I would encourage you. If you want to be comfortable, never open your Bible, never pray, come to church looking for me to make you feel really good every Sunday, and for people just to be nice to you and walk out of those doors and go be a really nice person, and you will be a comfortable Christian in name only. Because I really believe that once God captures your heart and you fall in love with your Savior Jesus Christ, you can't be comfortable anymore where you are. You are a kingdom agent who has to go out into this world and be bothered by the things that bothered God. And yeah, you'll be scared, but you know what? God will infuse you by the power of his Holy Spirit with boldness that you've never known. Does that mean you're bullhorn guy on the corner screaming at everybody? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But God will equip you and place you right where he wants you. 
And he will give you the boldness that it takes to step out and say, hey, you know what? I, I just want to help you in some way. Or to lead a movement in our church, in our community. To say, we're going to do something about this for the glory of God. It'll be out of your comfort zone. It won't be comfortable. And it'll really be beyond what is expected or required of you. You know, I, I, I say this. I think this is just, this is not just Murray and Callaway County. I think this is really the Bible Belt and, and probably just traditional Christianity as a whole. Do you know what's expected out of most of us as Christians? Be good. Just be good. Just smile and be good and, and just get along with people and go to church. And if you're a kid, you sit there and you behave. You don't say a word. I'll beat the fire out of you later on. All right? That's you know. Just be good. You know what I really believe God has called us to? Is to be people for the glory of his kingdom. You know what? That's not always good, if you will, and nice. We're going to have to be bold. It's going to be beyond, be beyond what's expected, what's required. And just like Nehemiah found, it's going to be really beyond what you can accomplish on your own. Nehemiah gathers lots of other people, as we see as the story goes on. And he, he travels to Jerusalem, and, he, and he, ta- he gets some people around him, and he gathers a group, and he finally tells them, look, here's what God has put on my heart. Are you guys with me? Can we do this? And you know what they say? Yeah, let's go. Let's rebuild the walls. God works through Nehemiah to rally lots of other people, and they say, let's go rebuild those walls. It's too big to accomplish alone. I think one of the things, and again, just, just these recent things that we're doing with, with clothes drives and, and different kinds of things. Do you know what's great about it? It's not just one person doing it. I see all kinds of people bringing some stuff in. I, I saw, where's Tony? Where's, is Tony, is he in here? Is he in the back? Oh, he's over there. He's worship kids out this morning. I saw Tony carrying some clothes in this morning. Everybody is participating. This is too big for one person to do by themselves. Nehemiah was wise to gather people around him. When you're bold for the Lord, it's also going to challenge the the cultural norms. People aren't going to really agree with it all the time. Not everybody returns with Nehemiah to go build the wall. Some people looked at him like he was nuts. Now go ahead. Didn't realize how hard it is. But in all of that, that boldness will continue to drive that overwhelming feeling that you've got to do something. So this morning as we close... The prayer that God will always answer is, God, bother me with what bothers you. And the kind of person that God is looking for, the kind of person that he will use, is somebody who is, who is desperate, who is strategic, and who is bold. And so I wonder this week, this morning, would you just take the first step toward that? Begin to pray that prayer. Begin to make those plans. Begin to participate wherever you can to pray, to plan, to do something. To look around and you say, you know what? God has given me these skills and these resources and put these people around me. He's given me these interests and these hobbies and this position and these experiences and this particular personality and way of looking at life. And I really believe that God wants to do something through that. And so let me encourage you to get involved, to get started, to be desperate, to be strategic, to be bold. To pray every day, God, right now when I get up and I go to work or in a few weeks when you go back to school, God, bother me with what bothers you. And the rest of the story in Nehemiah, he goes back to Jerusalem. Then he gathers these people around him and he becomes really what I think is a preview of Jesus Christ. I think all the Old Testament points toward Jesus and all the New Testament, of course, builds from him or is about him and builds from him. And so Nehemiah 
in a preview of Jesus, in less than two months, Nehemiah rebuilds the walls. He goes to Jerusalem, he faces all kinds of opposition, people that are heckling him and they don't like him and they don't like what he's doing for the glory of God and he rebuilds the walls in less than two months. Do you realize in a span of three days that Jesus brought us salvation and freedom? Rebuilding what had been broken down, what had been torn down in our lives, he rebuilds it. Nehemiah's mission was one of redemption and reconciliation and restoration, which is simply an Old Testament preview of what Jesus would do for all of us. So as we close this morning, think about this. For some of you, you don't need to go out and try to rebuild somebody else's walls right now. You need yours rebuilt. Your walls are broken down. Your life is in shambles. You're, you're, you're completely flat and on the ground. And you came to church this morning not looking for, okay, go do something. You came looking for hope. And let me tell you this. I can't rebuild your walls. Our church can't rebuild your walls. The one who ultimately rebuilt all the walls is Jesus Christ, and only he can do it. And so it's not about this morning just trying to muster up more, more courage, try harder. If you want the walls of your life to be rebuilt, if you are broken and empty and destroyed, then his name is Jesus Christ. And it comes by faith in Him. Turn to Him and let Him make you new today. You say, well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> How do I do that? It begins by praying and saying, Lord Jesus, I give my life to You. Right here and now, I die to myself and I give myself to You. I believe You are the Son of God who loved me and gave Yourself for me. And Lord, whatever it means, whatever it takes, rebuild the walls of my life. Do you know what bothers God? Lost people. People who are far from Him. Do you know how much it bothered Him? So much so the Bible tells us that God loved the world in such a way that He what? That He gave His one and only Son. He came in the form of Jesus Christ. That's how much you matter to God. This morning, you may need to go out and say, all right, God, this is on my mind, and it's time to pray and to plan and to participate. But maybe this morning, it's just time to kneel before your Savior and say, God, rebuild my life. I've made such a mess of it. God, rebuild me. Either one of those this morning is a wise decision. It's the right decision, the will of God for your life. And so don't leave here today without having done business with the Lord in one of those areas. Let me pray for us, and then we'll stand, and we'll close with a song this morning.